This is Jerry from the Smooth Accounting Podcast. Today I am joined by Rebecca and Daniel from ThinkWow, who are the customer experience specialists. Hope you enjoy. Thanks for listening and make sure you hit subscribe to get future episodes. I've got Rebecca and Daniel from ThinkWow, who are the customer experience experts. So um, do you want to just give a little intro to you guys and what you are and what you do and all of that so everyone knows? Sure. Um, first of all, thanks Thanks very much for having us. Um, Welcome. I think uh, for, for those of you who know us, sorry if you've heard this before, but um, <laughs> essentially we help businesses to grow by improving the experience that they offer their customers by understanding what their customers actually want um, and by helping them to meet those expectations. Um, so that's that's us. We, we work with the customer experience and the sales strategy side of things. Yep, and I just try and keep up with Rebecca and uh, you know yep. do the little bits that she can do. And Dan's do. also here. Yeah, <laughs> Hi, everybody. <laughs> oh, that's great. Cool. So before we kind of get into more about customer experience, I would like to know, and I think a lot of people would like to know, kind of how you got into this in the first place. Tell us about how you, you got here. The, the working together ThinkWell thing? The, or? The, the, yeah, the, the ThinkWell thing. Like how the did ThinkWell thing? You know, what were you doing before ThinkWell? Well, okay. I think, yeah, so my, my background, so right back at the start of my career, I was an engineer for the Ministry of Defence, so I was doing electronics and communications and stuff like that, which um, I quite enjoyed. It took me to a lot of interesting parts of the world and, and, and the country. But after a, a few years, I just kind of felt that you know, the pace of life wasn't right for me. I, I moved into a, a technical sales role um, and through sort of fortunate circumstance progressed quite quite quickly into leadership. Um, and then at the end of my last employed position, I just thought, you know, this corporate gig isn't for me anymore and uh, and decided, to if, yeah, to join Rebecca's <laughs> company. So she should have gone, should've gone first, job. really. Yeah, can I have a job? Can't really say no to your own husband, can you? So no. that was how I sort of um, jumped on board. Yeah, and I was glad you did. I was. Um, it, it's really strange, actually. Although we've we've always talked about starting our own business, we always thought it would be a restaurant. Um, we used to sit wow. and eat eat, rest, eat out in restaurants and critique all the things that they could do better. <laughs> We're just like everyone's dream customer. Um, and you know, we used to talk about how great it would be when we one day did it ourselves. Um, and really, it was I was made redundant. Well, the, the business I was working for went into administration um, about a week or so before our second daughter was born. Wow. Um, and I just sort of thought, well, I'll just take a bit of time with her. Yes, <laughs> I won't panic yeah. about getting a job yet. Yeah. Let's just, you know, do, do the mum thing. Um, but when I started looking for work, because we'd also relocated back down to the south coast, there were just not really that many opportunities down here. And I found increasingly that the ones I was interviewing for didn't have the values that I wanted to work to um, and actually it was it was a strange one we we actually went we both went for a job at the same company um, Dan for the sales director and me for the, the head of customer experience and they had this great big open recruitment day where everyone was in the same room everyone was working in groups together to kind of demonstrate their their strengths okay and we came away from the day both feeling really quite confident and I said to Dan if they don't if they don't hire you 
I will be gobsmacked because none of the other people who were there for the sales director role liked people. <laughs> they were sort of, you know, really, you've got to push for the sale. And if they say no, you don't let them say no. And Dan was there sort of saying, you've got to really find out what their needs are. And you've got to make yeah. sure that by the time you even get to selling, you understand so fully what their needs are that you just meet them. Um, and I was like, it's so, it's so obvious to me. Yeah. And they, they turned around and said that Dan wasn't what they were looking for. And at that point, I was like, well, there's no way I want to work with any of those other people. I can't believe that. <laughs> I, was, I was so shocked. So um, when they said to me, come back for a second interview, I said to them, I, I, don't, I don't want to work with any of those other salespeople. No. They're, they're not, that's not the values that I work to. Yeah. Um, and at that point, Dan just said, just stop interviewing for businesses and start your own company. So I did. Nice. Um, it was a great idea of his. Yeah. Um, but I didn't have the confidence. I felt really nervous. Um, alarmingly about networking that was my biggest fear I was like ah, what do you say to people when you go to network yeah. um so when Dan sort of said actually you know what corporate's not for me either I was like yes you can do the networking yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I you're better at that than I am anyway so <laughs> I don't think that's true yeah, especially the networking I mean obviously from an online perspective because that's where I see you guys but yeah you know what you've done over the last year in terms of building your network it's pretty impressive I think it like online just felt much easier to me um Yes, you know, we, we met online dating, so maybe mm. people in real life maybe are scarier it. than people online. But yeah, yeah, I think lo- <laughs> lockdown was actually really, it sounds uh, awful to say it, but it was it was kind of the making of, of the, the start of our business because mm. nobody wanted to spend any money at that point. Everyone was really fearful of investing in anything. We didn't have anything to do other than get onto LinkedIn and try and build a bit of a brand. So we both started last year with, I think, maybe 500 and, and, and 1,000 followers respectively on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, and neither of us are in the sort of stratospheric heights of you and, and Leah and some <laughs> others, but I think I'm at like 15, Becky's at 18,000. Uh, and, and I think because so many people were obviously furloughed, nothing to yes. do, yeah. everyone was on LinkedIn, everyone was yeah. looking for, for connections to be made. And, yeah. and I think because that was kind of mainly what, what we were doing in the early days and early months, it allowed us to build uh, a sort of brand, I guess, around the business quite quickly. Yeah. So. I don't, it's weird. I don't know whether the business would be better off or worse off had we started it at other, you know, in in another time when it wasn't yeah. a month before the pandemic. It's really I guess strange. We will never know. We will this never is know. It. This is but it. it's all relative because I mean, I've really been going hard at LinkedIn for like two and a half years, really. Mm. So it's actually relative, you know, to what you guys are doing. It's mm, it's the I same, guess. isn't it? It's the effort you put in, you get out what you put in, yeah. and um, you're really putting a lot of effort in. Um, to networking and and actually supporting others and um, I know we've spoken a bit about this sort of before we came on the podcast but you know actually just wanting to help people and that when I talk about networking myself and I I did it for years face to face Mm. kind of the penny dropped after the first six months of networking it was like actually you just need to help people you know that's really what it's all about just help other people and you guys seem to be doing that from what I see you're doing that a lot and that's really going to build the foundations of your business and and what you're trying to achieve mm. it's odd though isn't it you know we 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 have um we've been able to we offer to help occasionally and it's been accepted occasionally but every now and again you get someone who kind of I think they're waiting for the for the string that's attached they're waiting yes. for the hidden claws yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I reached out to um to a charity or someone who, who was working with a charity donated a lot of their revenue and profits to charity to look I think we can help you with this. Yeah. There's no cost for it. You know, we don't have to then sign up to something. It's just something we do. It doesn't take yeah. a huge amount of time, but we think it'd really help. Yeah. And it was it was really weird. It was like I was getting them to handle stolen goods or something. They were like, whoa, <laughs> hang on a second. 
what does this involve? What do I have to do? And yeah, I was like, honestly, yeah. nothing at all. But, you know, I think um, we, we've been the grateful recipients of a lot mm-hmm. of help. Yeah, same. Um, and I think at least as much as we've helped, we've had help come yes. back. Yep. Yeah. Not always from people that we've helped, and I think that's the way it, it kind of it flows out of you in one direction, and it flows it in does. from another, and it's yeah. been amazing for us. Yeah, a really supportive platform. Yeah, that, yeah, I agree. Like LinkedIn is, yeah, it's cha- you know changed my business and and enabled your business to to, to start to grow and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. okay, so that was before ThinkWow. So then ThinkWow was born, and what what is ThinkWow? So ThinkWow is a customer experience consultancy that focuses on helping businesses to grow by understanding their customers better. So we work with businesses on customer experience strategy, on sales strategy and on training to essentially make sure that all of their staff know exactly what the plan is, that they feel confident to actually follow through on that plan and help customers. They're empowered to help customers. Um, And ultimately it's about understanding, okay, so what, what in the customer journey could potentially cause your customers any kind of pain, any kind of dissatisfaction, and let's deliberately get rid of it. Let's make sure that we have a plan of action that tackles every single step of that customer journey to make sure that the experience we're putting out there inspires confidence and and makes more customers come towards us. So, um, you know, we work with businesses, SMEs to to sort of slightly smaller entrepreneurs as well. Um, But I think that the key thing for us, and it sort of ties back to helping people like you were just saying, was that when we first started we wanted to be able to actually change the the uk customer experience um the uk customer satisfaction index fell for something ridiculous like the sixth time since 2014 this year and people are getting more and more unhappy with businesses businesses are struggling to meet their customers needs Mm. so we wanted to just help as many of those businesses as possible if if people love their customers enough to ask how can how can we do better we wanted to help them so we also do um, give off a lot of free advice on LinkedIn Mm -hmm. Um, through our website we offer sort of quick tips that can help people just start making that change if maybe they aren't quite ready to embark on the longer term projects Um, and that's essentially you know what we spend most of our time doing really yep great and I think this is a question that a lot of people are going to want the answer to. How livid does Dan get when people call it customer service? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's probably more me, isn't it? Yeah, well, you're, you're more chilled out than me, aren't you? It's like, not customer service. It well, is customer experience. It's, uh, okay. it's a really interesting customer one because customer service obviously forms part of, of customer experience. So it some does. businesses yeah, will yeah. have a customer service department. Yes. Some businesses won't. No. Every business has a customer experience it has things yes. that their customers experience in yes. a very real sense yeah, the yeah. website the physical premises the people they talk to the service the product whatever it is yeah so you can have a holistic customer experience that doesn't include a customer service department yes there will still be an element of service so if you're buying anything whether it's a product or like an accountancy service mm-hmm the service delivery will form part of that customer experience but yeah, yeah you're right Mo- most people know what customer service <laughs> well, is and don't know what customer do. experience is maybe they we should do. just rebrand as customer service and see if it, well, see if it helps people understand so in my head i was like i i understand what customer service is and i guess i think of what you guys do as helping with customer service which yeah. is an element of what you do yeah, absolutely, big part yeah. of what you do and i think a lot of people when you say they'll help you with the customer service. We'll go, oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. They'll help you with customer experience. They're like, what, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. So personally having, I am a customer of ThinkWow. Um, Smooth is a customer of, of ThinkWow. Um, and 
it's it's amazing because it's sort of blown my mind a little bit with the the potential you know because you can you can say okay what are the pain points and let's help solve them but actually and we're only at the beginning of of kind of working with you guys but there's already like so many things that I'm excited about and I think maybe businesses don't understand I guess the impact Mm -hmm. working with a customer experience company can have because they might just be a little bit um short-sighted with it and think well customers are quite happy so yeah you know what um and and like you guys have said before most people don't complain Mm -hmm. do they so you know and I and I keep trying to remind myself of that because I'm like well everyone seems okay you know there's not (laughs) if there's an issue I'm I'm made aware of it and we deal with it and that's fine Mm -hmm. and then I'm like what if we're annoying people by doing something and they're not saying and, and, and that kind of thing I was talking to one of the members of, of staff the other day about this and I was saying because because we were talking about well maybe we could do this as um, maybe this would be a value add and this would help our clients and um, one of my team she was saying oh yeah but you know everyone seems alright and I'm like yeah but they might not be saying they might not be saying that they're annoyed so if you guys can just just kind of explain that in a better way because obviously I'm just like blah 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 but you know not people don't always complain that's the point so just because companies think that their clients are happy they might not be yeah essentially on average 91 percent of unhappy customers will never complain they will just leave a brand without telling them what's gone wrong or why and you can do you can do things to drive that percentage down so you know there are the, the main reasons people don't raise a complaint are because they feel like there's no point yeah or because it's really, really difficult. Yeah. So if you can make it as easy as possible for people to actually reach out and, and tell you when they need help or yeah. when they've got a problem, that's that's one way you can you can increase things. And the other way is just to make sure that when they do, you actually do something about it yeah. and you tell them what you've done about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the amount of businesses who will say, we never get complaints, our customers are so happy. Every single business, once it reaches a certain size, will get the occasional unhappy customer. Yeah, 100%. There's nothing to be ashamed of there. No matter how hard you try, no. things might go wrong from time to time. Yeah. So if you're getting zero complaints, that's probably a red flag that actually yes. something's gone wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's you know, just a, a point to make is that only a tiny proportion of businesses will ever actually actively work on their customer experience, whether that's bringing in a head of CX or working with somebody like us. Yeah. Majority of businesses don't care enough to ask right um and that's you know we're in a fortunate position that everyone that we work with is like you they care enough about their customers Mm. that they're already doing most things right yeah um the majority of our customers have already got largely satisfied customers you know we're not coming into two-star trust pilot reviews and (laughs) two-star google reviews because people that care enough to ask care enough to be doing most of the things right already Mm -hmm. so it really is just kind of refining the piece and pushing on and and i guess making sure that if you're in a high growth phase Mm -hmm that the processes that have enabled you to, to have five-star reviews up till now are scalable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if in five years' time you've got 300% of the revenue you did and your team's four times bigger, that actually those processes can just be picked up by anyone who joins the team. Yeah. You're onboarding customers in the same way and you continue to do that with a much, much bigger business. Yeah. Um, but like Rebecca says, so many businesses will say, well, we're, we're probably doing okay, we don't get yeah. that many complaints. Yeah. Chances are they've probably got customers that are... Uh, and not happy with something yeah they're just not finding out about it yes yeah and i and you know it it can be a bit nerve-wracking i think for companies to go oh you know 
come and look at our customer experience you know they might be thinking oh god what are you going to find and yeah. i think it's yeah. that or well if we ask customers for feedback what if they're livid like you know yeah. and, and 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 like the same conversation we've had it's actually mm-hmm. so important to find out if they're a bit annoyed about things Absolutely. you know and i've i'm really trying to, to change my mindset on that and i'm actually like no no actually i want to know yeah. i want to know and i want to try and make it right because we can only do so much you know you you you, you get the feedback you do everything mm. you can to 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 try and appease that person because you want happy customers and and that's it and if you do that then you're you're at least trying you're at least trying to make a difference yeah. whereas i think some companies kind of bury their head in the sand a little bit because they don't want to mm. deal with it's it's really that negative feedback I, yeah i was having this a really similar conversation with somebody last week and we were talking about the idea of not asking a question because you were worried what the answer might be. Yeah. You know, it's the same sort of mindset that stops people from going to the doctors when yes. when something's not quite yeah. right. Not asking the question doesn't change the fact that the answer is out there waiting right. for you. The answer will find you yes. whether you ask the question now or something becomes so unignorable in 12 mm-hmm. months or two yes. years' time that you just have to face it. Yeah. Finding out something by asking the question the earlier you do it, the better you're going to be. Yeah, and it's yeah. like no, it's just a natural thing. People don't want to ask that question. Yeah, and I think that the other side of it is that, firstly, we've seen it all, so we're not <coughs> yeah. judging people. No, you know, we no. we recognise that even by asking us to come in and help, someone is is really caring about their customers, and yes. that's that's all it takes for us to love them. That's yeah, it. Yeah, we're we're then their yeah. biggest fan. Yeah, 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 of um, but actually, statistics show that if a customer has had a, a, a bit of a bump in their journey but it's been rescued in the right way they will actually become a much stronger fan of your brand than someone who just had a really smooth journey because right. they've had that kind mm. of emotional roller coaster and yeah. you've saved them from it so yeah. you know mm. what what the worst case scenario is like dan said the problem becomes so big you can't ignore it right. you start yeah. losing clients it becomes a, a real issue yeah or actually the best case scenario is that you you make it such a great experience that people are shouting from the rooftops about your brand yes. and you don't even have to think about marketing because people just come to you they do it anyway so, yeah. and I think people imagine that we're going to be coming in like full Gordon Ramsay telling them our <laughs> screaming and calling them idiots but actually what we found with all of our customers so far is that we're, we're more or less confirming kind of what they suspected anyway like if you've got a really plugged in MD or CEO or founder or whatever they might be you've got a pretty good feeling for yeah. what's working, what's not. Yeah. And actually having someone come in and say, yeah, well, your gut instincts are probably right. Yeah. Here's maybe what we can do to improve that. Yeah. It's quite a collaborative process. It's not yeah. us sort of saying, what you thought you knew, forget it. It's no. this. You know, we yeah. haven't had that with anyone we've worked with so far. It's been really good. No, and I, I, I've been on the receiving end of it. And I definitely agree. It's very collaborative. It's very kind of let's work together. Mm-hmm. Let's because obviously I know my business and I know what I'm trying to achieve mm. and the kind of accounts and technical side of it. So how do we put that with what you guys are offering and and, and blend them so that we can offer our clients the best service? And you know, mistakes will happen. And and mm-hmm. this is and I talk about this on LinkedIn and I've I've voiced on LinkedIn when we've made a mistake as a firm you know Mm. one of the team accidentally put the wrong bank details in for someone's furlough claim and another client got their money you know and and we you like panic you know we're like oh my god it's human error like you Mm. literally nothing in the world will stop that even if some you know we we have a process everything gets reviewed but every now and then something's going to slip through the net that you're mortified about you know so straight away you're like right pay the 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 client the money that they should have got make sure they're okay contact hmrc let them know there's an error go back to the client apologize make sure everyone be honest Mm -hmm. make sure everyone knows what's happened and and just try and put it right and make sure that they're all happy and you know i 
I don't feel any shame in that because I feel like the staff member already feels absolutely hideous absolutely. that they did it. Mm. I don't, I no, I'm not going to punish them. Do you know what I mean? That, that's not going to help anybody. It's like, could we stop? Could we have stopped this? Mm. Yeah. Are we able to stop it as much as physically possible, you know, from ever happening? Because mm-hmm. sometimes things happen and you think, wow, we never had a process for that because we never thought it was a thing. Yeah. yeah. You know, you and know then something goes know. wrong. Yeah, yeah. And then something goes wrong and you go, oh no, it is a problem. Like, or, and, and, and you guys, and I know we've, we've talked about this, like someone will, someone will complain about something and I think, well, I've been going five years. No one's ever, ma- no, no one's made about that before. And I've had hundreds of clients, like no one's ever. So it's just, and naturally you sort of like think, well, you, it's not a problem because no one else thinks it's a problem. But then like you say, it could have been an issue for other people and they might not have said. And actually it's so important to put yourself in the client's shoes yeah. because you can get defensive because it's your business and you love it. It's your brand. You feel so strongly and passionately about it and everyone should love it like you do. But the reality is people don't. So mm-hmm. I think I'm, I'm learning and I, I think any potential businesses out there thinking about working customer experience personally, you know, it is like a journey. You are sort of like, and I'm really excited about the, the things that we're going to do in the future. And just the little ideas you've given me, like, have you thought about doing this? And and then that sparks something in me and I'm like, oh, how could I make that work? And no one's ever said that before. That's so interesting that you would come up with that as an idea. And, you know, so I think, I guess the customer experience thing for me is so wide. There's so many things that you guys help with. And I don't know necessarily that businesses get that at, at first. You know, they might just yeah. think, well, we're fine. We don't need any help. And or we don't want to know if people are unhappy. But actually the potential the potential mm-hmm. for their businesses like to, to help their businesses is just yeah it's incredible so if you could what the three things that that businesses could do to to improve their customer experience if you just had to say three off the top of your head what would they be you take the first one i'll think about mine <laughs> <laughs> i draw rebecca straight in it yeah, i think the, the first thing i, w- I would say a hundred percent i don't even need to think about it is genuinely listen Find a way to hear your customers and make it as easy for them to actually speak. I think you know that that's where so many businesses go wrong. They might say, "Well, we we do survey our customers," but actually, when you look at how they survey, maybe they just push out once every quarter um, the the net promoter score question: the how likely are you to recommend our brand to others? Right. Okay. Which you know it, it gets you data and it's a great place to start, but actually. If you look at that question, it's very much about the business. It's about how, you know, what, what can our customers do to help us? Are mm-hmm. you going to recommend us? Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, by, by asking your clients questions that are about them, about their experience, about how valued they felt, they're more likely to want to actually respond. Um, and by making that accessible at a time and a place and in a way that's easy for them to actually to, to give that feedback, you'll get more um, so just make it easy and listen to those responses. Mm. Actually, like you were saying, with that <clears throat> open mind, yeah. what could we have done yes. to stop that from ever becoming the, the case? Yeah. And that's kind of the, the biggest the biggest okay. thing for me. I've yeah. got mine now. So, yeah. you can think <laughs> right, um, so mine, th- this this is actually something that I inherited over from, from my sales leadership career because it was, it was the golden rule in all of my sales teams, which was do what you said you were going to do when you said you were going to do it. Mm-hmm. And if you can't, communicate that ahead of time so you can extend that to anything whether it's amazon delivering you a package whether it's coming out to fix or or build a wall at someone's house doesn't matter what it is you say right we're going to be there tuesday or it's going to be done by this Mm -hmm. date or we're going to achieve these results and then it becomes clear to you the business that that's not possible pick up the phone send an email tell your client say look really sorry we're going to be late or we're not going to meet the level you thought or something's going to be different tell them as early on and as proactively as you possibly can yeah. 
rather than have them find out by the mm-hmm. fact that you just don't turn up. Yeah. Because that is the absolute worst. It sends two messages to the, to the customer. One is, I cannot have any confidence in this yeah. supplier. Yeah. And two is, they don't care about me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's my... Love that's that. my one. That's cool. that's so, and it sounds it kind of sounds obvious, but so many people it's don't so do obvious. it. And I've had conversations with companies before, and they've gone. They'll say, for example, they'll say, "I'll phone you later with an update." Mm. You don't get an update, so of you can phone the next day, and you go, "But you said you'd phone me." She's like, "Well, I didn't have one," and I go, "No, but, ah. but you, you said you said you were gonna." And, yeah. and I'm like, "You said you were gonna call me." Yeah, like, absolutely. Call, yeah. Me and call me and tell me yeah. you still you don't, don't have an update, update. Oh, when you're yeah. expecting to have one. Yeah, yeah. and, and oh, the reason that's so powerful is because not doing it is endemic. I would say the majority of things that don't happen that should happen are not communicated to customers. Yeah, and it's so it's so damaging to the trust in the in the yeah, business. It is, yeah. and and it's funny because, um, and and Dan knows that this ha- Dan and Rebecca both know this happened. But one of our client managers just been on paternity leave, and we had everything in place ready to email all the clients like a couple of weeks before he was going off maternity leave to say that he was going to be off. Chloe would be looking after all our clients. He suddenly goes off three weeks early, and you know, baby comes early as they do, and we hadn't sent the email. And then we sort of went, oh, and then we were a little bit panic mode because we had to switch straight away switch over to Chloe and make sure the clients are being looked after and the emails are on auto forward and we had a conversation about it and actually you know what we should have done is sent that email six weeks ago to say at some point in February March you know Sam's gonna be going on and then and then when he actually went then send the email maybe from Chloe or whatever to say I'm as you as you know he was going off and he's now gone and I'm here for two weeks and it's just little things like that that like you have the best intentions but you know be organized and think ahead for these things because I could have done it such a long time ago but you you know you you were to to give you the credit you deserve you were planning to do it the right way (laughs) nature just kind of intervened yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. (laughs) but then you think that's not the thing that's going to happen obviously that often in a small team but just little things like that you learn you think could have sent that ages ago you know but we, we had the good intention which is the most important thing but actually we've learned from that we have 100 yeah. percent learned from that just send it we had it ready just send yeah. it weeks ago yeah. you know but then you think oh you don't want to send it too early so people forget but you want to send it in enough time so mm. no it's, really it's so balance, true it, it is yeah, yeah. and the third one i think the, the third one is just recognize that your customer experience is completely down to your staff so look after your staff make sure they feel valued make sure they enjoy their jobs and actually that they feel safe to be able to do their job I think what you were saying earlier just is so critical if someone's made a mistake they know they've made a mistake they feel awful about it don't add to that by you know hitting them with the stick just you know say to them that hey these things happen let's fix it have you got any ideas about how to fix it let them be part of the solution and you know help them to kind of get rid of that that guilt Um, but yeah staff satisfaction is directly correlated to customer satisfaction so anyone not loving their team not really looking after them overworking them maybe if your team are all you know staying an hour and a half after they're supposed to have finished that's a really classic example of of a team that potentially is going to burn out so Mm. Mm. no that's good just it's useful for business owners I think just to think okay where do I even start? Because yeah. again, and I said this earlier, it can feel, feel a bit overwhelming. It can be. Mm. You know, because you you want to do the right thing, but everybody's busy running their businesses, <laughs> yeah. trying to get clients, especially with COVID, mm-hmm. you know. But um, you gave a good analogy earlier about the, the boat, trying to tell everybody about the boat, Dan. Yeah, so I love an analogy. <laughs> I um, love an analogy. Um, so I'm going to come up with an analogy about how much I love an analogy um, <laughs> at some point. But, you know, we, we were talking about when people at businesses are looking for more revenue, more income, there are, there are three main levers they can kind of pull to, to influence that in, in a positive way. 
One is the marketing lever, the other is the sales lever, and the lesser spotted lever rusting away in the corner often <laughs> is the CX lever. And there, I know there, there are things like um, reducing overheads and putting up prices, and you can make more money with less, of course. But they're the three main levers. And in almost every business up and down the land, the first lever they reach for is marketing. Yeah. Boom, let's spend some money on adverts, let's do something, let's go to an event, let's do this, let's put a presence out there, let's generate more leads. And then when I was a sales leader, this would frustrate me because people would be spending money on generating leads without looking at are we leaving leads on the table with a really below par conversion rate so for whatever reason are we just not winning as many of those leads as we could or should be yeah. so they pull the marketing leave and then they go it's not changed right let's go and look at sales what are we doing here what's wrong with sales fine we'll, we'll put a different process in we'll add some sales people in and then maybe some point they might go and say we've got you know 50 quid left in the budget we'll, we'll spend something on cx and for me, it's like, having, it's like having a boat that you're going to row across the Atlantic and you've got two big burly blokes or two, two normal-sized humans, it doesn't matter, rowing that boat and you've got a set of oars in there and you realise actually that halfway across your boat sprung a leak and you're starting to go down. Now, in this analogy, your oars are your marketing, your rowers are your sails and your boat is your customer experience. So you're not going to say, right, we've got a hole in the boat, let's get bigger rowers. We've got a hole in the boat, let's get better oars. Yeah. The first thing you're going to do is plug those holes up yeah. and then figure out what you can do to make it better. Yeah. And this is the problem, is that if you've got a customer experience which is leaking customers, yeah. throwing more leads in, winning more customers, is just going to make the problem worse because everyone gets busier, you've got more customers to keep happy, and guess what? You're going to make a smaller percentage of them happier if you grow before yeah. you fix your customer experience. If you don't plug those holes, you're just going to go down faster. Yeah, it's, I do love an analogy, and that is a very good one. And I think it's <laughs> it's hard for businesses to think about that because we're all like magpies and we want the shiny new customers. <laughs> and it's actually yeah. like, you know, I'm constantly thinking about this in that retaining customers and actually getting more out of your customers mm -hmm. as they grow and they need more from you and you're able to offer more services or whatever yeah. is so much more efficient <laughs> um, than, than yeah. churn, you know? And this Absolutely. churn this churn that can feel like it's great because we're signing up these new clients all the time, all the time, all the time, but actually we're losing clients all the time and we're just pulling them in and mm. they're going out yeah. the bottom. It's just such a waste yeah. of time and energy. It yeah. really is. And I think that the, the other side of it is that you can still be a magpie but have yes. great CX because actually, yes, you're more likely to keep your customers, but you're also far more likely to have them referring new customers mm -hmm. in yeah, to yeah. see to see positive reviews online about yes. your, your service. And yeah. all of that helps you win more business as well. So yeah. you know that's that's really how customer experience helps people grow is by plugging up plugging up those holes I like the analogy Absolutely. too yeah. um, but ultimately you know creating some serious natural organic brand advocates who will say to people just in passing oh you you know you're looking for accountant yeah. well mm. smooth I've been so happy with smooth you can't yeah. go wrong yeah. people trust recommendations yes so. they do and it's it's the easiest form of, of winning business isn't it because mm -hmm. it's pretty much a given if someone's been recommended yeah. it's not usually it doesn't that cost hard anything to, it doesn't cost anything it's great <laughs> yeah. um, I was going to say we'll go on to questions in a sec have we got any questions Luke Luke usually tells me what the questions are because I can't see from over here yeah it's quite you um, have, have some serious if classes. anyone has got any feel free to uh, to ask them yeah I've got a couple of comments on Instagram uh, one from Jezebel underscore SW yep uh, how should you deal with a difficult unhappy customer and get their issue resolved to ensure a stronger future relationship good question that is a good question and I think you've actually hit the nail on the head there the first thing you should do is resolve their issue I think often people get distracted when a when a 
a plea for help comes through it's seen as a complaint and people get distracted defending the complaint Mm. so they're very quick to sort of want to prove they've done nothing wrong or Mm. you know if they have done something wrong you know maybe they're still quite quick to want to say sorry but they forget that there might still be a problem for that customer and that customer still needs help Mm -hmm. so what I would always say is respond really quickly Mm -hmm. to your complaints get in touch with them that day to see how you can help resolve their issue and explain to them, we'll absolutely deal with your complaint, but what we want to do first is help you get you sorted. And then at that point, once you're sorted, we'll look at this complaint, we'll we'll make sure you get the answer you want. Mm. By doing that, you actually make most complaints go away because mm. by the time you fixed it, they're they're so happy should. then. Yeah, <laughs> they don't yeah, they yeah. don't mm. want to, to talk about negative things. Yeah. But actually yeah, by by being sort of defensive, by wanting and that's natural. Yeah. Like, you know, we mm. all we all have this sort of innate wish to win this this innate to, yeah. to want to feel like what we've done is awesome yeah. so if someone says well actually no you're, you're not awesome you're, you're rubbish yeah you go well hang on a minute yeah. i don't i don't i don't yes, agree I yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah i think park that park the personal feelings and look at the problem how can you fix it that's, yeah that's, that's great and i think we as humans we we always focus on the negative yeah. you know we've got over 100 you know five star google reviews but if someone is unhappy, I'm literally think it's the end of the world. Yeah, like genuinely, like it hurts me, and that's mm-hmm. that's a good thing because yeah. that's how much I care about my business. But we are small businesses, and it is us, and it is everything. You know, yeah. it's, it's our whole livelihood. So, you know, you're very quick to focus on the this is the end of the world because someone's complained. But actually, mm-hmm. if you can, and I am getting better at this, if you can take a step back and think, what has happened here? How can we make it right? How mm-hmm. can we help them? Mm-hmm. And what I was going to ask as well is how, what if you if they are being unreasonable when you genuinely have tried Let everything me ask this one, you're going to go on for ages and ages, ages, ages so, yeah how you'll how never get her off the soapbox so yeah, but what do you do if they genuinely you can't resolve it but it comes back to um the, the question that was asked there and to an extent you think about the way you're framing that customer so mm-hmm. this isn't a criticism at all by the way it's incredibly common but by saying it's a difficult customer right I think taking a step back and saying, why is this customer coming across to me as difficult? Have they been passed between five other departments to get to this point? Have we absolutely let them down? Mm -hmm. Actually, is it that we we probably haven't let them down, but we didn't communicate very well at the start what the expectations were going to be? So I think there will be somewhere along the line in 99% of these cases where a business owner or, or the head of CX is looking at it saying, we are completely blameless here. Mm. There's probably still something that they've missed along the way. Did yes. we have a better opportunity to communicate what was going to happen in such a way that this person wouldn't feel confused and frustrated? Mm-hmm. Nobody likes to feel like an idiot. So customers don't want to feel like they've made a mistake. No. So they're not going to acknowledge it. They're not going to admit that they could have read something again. They could have read it twice. Mm-hmm. But it's our jobs to make sure our customers understand things. So checking... Do you understand what's going to happen next? Have we communicated this to you clearly? Mm-hmm. And, and accepting the fact that there will occasionally be a customer that you cannot make happy. Yes. Could you do something differently in the future to reduce the likelihood of that same customer coming through the process and being unhappy? Probably. Yeah. In the case of that one customer, you've got the decision to make. Do you draw a line under it and say, we've done as much as we possibly can, we've investigated this, and we have thoroughly and objectively investigated it, yeah. and this is all we can do? Or do you just sort of, you know, fall over and say, okay, no, we'll, we'll refund you. We don't want that negativity popping up on social media. And that is a decision on a case-by-case basis that yeah. each business owner has to make. Yes. In your position, where you've got hundreds of positive reviews, one bad review still not ideal, no. but it will be quickly replaced by a lot of positive. Yes. If you're a very new business, a 
very bad review yeah. can be incredibly damaging. So you do have to kind of sometimes take the view of, do I swallow my pride yes. and keep my brand positive? Rebecca's view is you treat all customers exactly the same, regardless in the policy is the policy. Yeah. But you do have to be pragmatic when you're a small business you with a, a small volume of reviews. Yeah. So I think it is a case-by-case case thing. Yeah. So I got on my soapbox then. Sorry, I said... I'd have been quicker. <laughs> and you'd have been quicker and far more eloquent. Yeah, sorry, I should let you go. <laughs> uh, no, that's great. Thank you for answering that. Any more questions, Luke? Yeah, got one here from Nice Guys Office Supplies three six five. Do you guys use a net promoter score? Yeah, so um, I don't know what that is. So So, yeah, so net promoter score for anybody who doesn't know is essentially uh, it's that question: How likely are you to recommend our brand to others? And you you ask your customers at various points in the journey, and they'll score you on a scale from zero to ten based on how likely they are to recommend you. With promoters being your your nines and your tens, detractors anything under six. Um, and your neutrals are your your sevens and your eights. And essentially, all of those scores combine to make your net promoter score. Um, The net promoter score is something that so many brands use. It is um, sort of an industry standard. And as I say, it can can be a good place to start. If you've got no data, we would always say talking to your customers and asking for feedback in any way is better Mm. than none none at all. But actually, I think it's really important to recognise that as a standalone question, the net promoter score question will not get you what you need to know to improve mm. your business. It Quite will just give you a score it? you can potentially brag about. Right. Okay. Um, and if you do more with it, so you know, when, when I worked at Purple Bricks, we did more with it. We had the net promoter score and anybody who scored a seven or under, we phoned immediately to say what went wrong, yeah. how could we have improved? So you can use it as a good right. starting point. Yeah. But essentially, yeah, we, we, don't, we don't love the question because it, it's just not about the customer, it's about the business. Mm. That's a really interesting way of looking at it. And um, I know you guys work with other types of surveys and you'll build bespoke surveys for companies to mm. really get an understanding and, and, and actually get useful information for that business because all businesses are different and what's useful for my business won't necessarily be use, useful for a company selling widgets or you know mm. whatever or a travel yeah. company. Or something. It's, it's all relative, isn't it? And yeah. you guys will work with a company to actually make sure they're getting useful data that they can do something with so yeah absolutely it's about knowing what your objectives are and and helping you get to them you know just to to come back to the question about the mps is that if you're in a position as a business where you've got a lot of customers or you've had a lot of customers and they've never been surveyed at all asking them an imperfect question in an imperfect way is much better than not asking anything at all so anything going out to your customers on mass just just to find out a little bit of their sentiment if you're thinking that you want to embark on on some sort of improvement program it kind of got to start with that if you haven't been doing it um, routinely for a year or two so you haven't got that data there you've just got to ask the question yeah what I would just say to add a small caveat to that is yes, ask the question, but if you can, before you ask the question, scrutinise it to ask yourself, does this inspire confidence in my mm. brand? Would I, if I was reading this question as a customer, would this question make me feel happier about the brand I'm working with? Or would it make me potentially feel a little bit used, a little yeah. bit like my valued opinion wasn't so valued? So yeah. just think about the question before you send it but once you've thought about it get it out there just start asking the question do mm. not be afraid of the answers because you know it, it is that better the devil you know once yeah. you know you've got a problem you can fix it if yeah. you don't know you could be losing customers you had no idea you were losing yeah exactly and um, James Ashford always says version one is better than version none 
Mm-hmm. And I like that saying. Absolutely. Me too. So, yeah, start somewhere. <laughs> exactly. Any more questions, Luke, on any other platforms? Well, there's other questions, but the, the same people were nice office guys. They just tagged on with them. Um, they asked their clients after every order to score us, and this is great for feedback. Yeah. If you've got bulk bulk um, sort of product and you're sending lots out every day, then that's a really great way of getting mass feedback is to just literally, you mm. know, we can we can just generate a QR code that goes on all the all the orders to say scan to give feedback and then all yep. of a sudden you've got loads of meaningful data. Where it's slightly harder is if you're a service provider and maybe you have 10 customers a year, yes. that, that sort of volume doesn't come through. But mm. that's where looking at your feedback strategy and getting kind of creative with account reviews and mm. just different conversations, that's, you know, there are different ways for different yeah. businesses. And that- the the um, the uh, tag on there from the from the person you just mentioned is a really valid and beneficial way to get trend analysis. If you've got a lot of mm-hmm. individual packages going out, you can very very quickly see if there's a trend. You know, our customers were rating us nine point one on a rolling three month, and now that's dropped to eight point five. Mm-hmm. As long as there's a means or a mechanism to investigate why that is, because if all you've got is the number on the board and none of the questions or none of the potential mm-hmm. follow up allow you to say, okay, where is it? in our journey that's that's making this drop down yeah. is actually quite it's, it's quite infuriating at that point is it yes. you know things are worse you yeah. just don't, you don't know, know why, why. Yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. so yeah. i'm sure they've got that in place but yeah. some mechanisms mm-hmm. say okay how do we then go a level deeper and find out what's the root cause yeah that's the, the kind of evolution of that bog feedback approach good yeah. thank you great answer anything else luke i think we've done 45 minutes so yeah, cool yeah great. um Anything else you want to want to end with? Anything you would like to, to say to all our people that have tuned in? Thank you very much. Mostly just thank you. Thank you for listening, <laughs> spending the time with us. Yeah. You know, we, um, we are so how passionate they, How about do they get hold of you? Oh, LinkedIn is probably the best, best yeah. way. LinkedIn. 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 Well, we're website, on there most of the time. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Anyone well, on Instagram? Because obviously I know I spend a lot of time on Instagram. But anybody on Instagram that wants uh, Rebecca and Daniel's details, please just ping me a message because... I get a ton of messages on Instagram so if you can't if you're not on LinkedIn and you still want to find out please just get in touch with me but carry on sorry thank you I was just going to say you know if ultimately if you love your customers and you respect customers you know you're you're doing something right and that's Mm. a great place to start so if you're going to take anything away it's that I think my mind is just don't be afraid to ask the question yeah Yeah, simple as that if you don't know what your customers are thinking or feeling about something find out find out yeah Mm -hmm. definitely wow very like kind of sort of uh what's the word um not uh inspiring it is inspiring it is inspiring you're not inspiring me no you're inspiring there's a word i can't think of it it's typical when i'm on a podcast can't think of the word luke's gonna edit this bit out yeah edit this bit out luke Um, (laughs) no thank you guys so so much for coming on my podcast I hadn't met Rebecca and Daniel in person because of COVID for, and we've been talking and, and do, doing stuff with each other for, for so long and working together. And yeah, I'm so, so chuffed and so pleased you guys came on. Um, thank you to everybody that's tuned in for the live. Um, this will be on YouTube published so you'll be able to watch it back and we'll have the edited version and loads of little snippets um, that will be going on our various platforms in the future as well for people to see. So yeah, thank you. Thank you so Thanks much for having, having us, Jess. It's been lovely. Yeah.